Welcome to Making Sense of Mindfulness with Keith McPherson and your co-host, Krista Hope. Welcome back to our third episode of Making Sense of Mindfulness with Keith McPherson and myself, Krista Hope. We're so excited that you're with us tonight, and we hope you bring our call your calls. Um, we would love to hear from you and and help you out with anything that that you want to know about mindfulness. This is a show all about mindfulness, so really you can bring anything here, and Keith will support you in that. So, um, looking forward to hearing your calls. Uh, welcome, Keith. How are you? I'm doing great, Krista. How are you doing? I'm so good. I love this. I, I love being here and talking mindfulness. This is my favorite subject. Oh, really? Yeah, me too. I um, I look forward to this every week. I this is our third third episode. I always get a, a little bit of the butterflies before. To, I think it's mostly because of the technical side of this whole online radio stuff. But I'm just trusting that this is going to be great. Absolutely. Well, I get a lot out of it. So. Oh, that's great. <laughs> I'm sure others are. Yeah. You bet. Uh, Keith, do you have the phone number in front of you? For some reason, mine isn't showing me the phone number. I do, yeah. If guests want to call in tonight, the uh, the number is 914-338-0905. And you can call in and ask any questions you've got on your mind around mindfulness or anything else and um, be totally happy to, to help you out and coach you through whatever you're going through in your life right now. Absolutely. And, you know, we, we actually have some emails we've received, so uh, why don't we dive right in there? You want to take an, an email right now, Keith? Sure, that sounds great. Perfect. Okay. Let's see. So we have one from Madison. doesn't say where Madison's from, but Madison says, I just lost my mother to cancer, and I'm having a hard time understanding the concept of death. What do you believe happens when people die? I have heard people say that my mom is still around somehow energetically. Is she? Huh. That's such a great question, Madison. Um, thanks for, first of all, emailing into the show. And it's so interesting because the, um, the whole process of death and dying seems so surreal when it's happening. And I'm sorry to hear about the loss of your mom. Um, yeah, you know, we're born into this world from a place of nowhere, and the same word, all of a sudden, we're now here. I don't know if you've ever noticed that, but it's really the same word, from nowhere to now here. And we travel through this journey of life for so many years, and then all of a sudden, we go into this place back again to a place of nowhere. It's this mysterious ethers of where is that? Where is that place of nowhere? And um, yeah, so there's such a, a human element to you know, losing somebody, especially your mother, and um, where do we go when we die? It's such a powerful question to, to be asking, and I'm sure at this time you're also hoping for some signs or or some memory of your mom so that you can connect with her, and um, it's such an, an interesting thing. I, In my experience of it, this is just my belief of it, but I do believe that uh, Tilopa said it right when he said, we're spiritual beings having a temporary human experience and you know the 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 physical part of us this this shell of a body that we walk around in it seems like it's who we are because it we can see it concretely and it's the physical but really it's um 
underneath that, there's a source that is connecting us all together. It's the, the part of us that's breathing our breath and beating our heart and that part that blinks your eyes all day long and uh, the part of you that's automatic, that, that's underneath the, the physical shell of your body, so to speak. And, and I really believe that that is, in essence, what, we're, uh, what we are and who we truly are. And that never changes, that, that spiritual part of who we are. Um, although we're grieving the, the physical when we, when we watch uh, somebody die or we lose a loved one, there is, I believe, um, a, a oneness to, to all of us and that we're connected to. And so I would say in terms of Madison, to answer your question of this, I would say um, to be open to the possibilities of connecting to that spiritual side, that, that oneness that's all around you. Um, even just today, I, I'm actually out at a, a cabin right now in the middle of um, Ontario, Kenora, Ontario. And it, literally the, today I was out um, for a snowshoe and on my way out there was this this little group of birds that were all flocking around and um a few years ago I, I lost a really dear friend of mine who was also a manager of my old band keith and renee and i for some reason just had a sense that he was there and i, I saw it come in through this flock of birds there was this one bird in particular and it just reminded me for some reason of the personality of, of my friend kevin and although, I mean, birds don't speak to you directly saying, hey, it's Kevin, I, I just had a sense that I could sense that spirit of him underneath that bird. And, you know, if we're paying attention, we there's signs all around us of spirit. And so to really uh, open yourself up to that right now and, and to know that this is a, a mystical and magic time, all, along with the time of grieving, but a, a time to really open yourself up to a new way of connecting, perhaps with with your mother who's, who's crossed over back to that place of the nowhere spiritual side of who we are. So I hope that that gives you some comfort. I, I Man, call in next time so we can chat a little more about this directly. And, um, yeah, I'd like to, to hear more. So if, if there's any updates that happen over the next while with your mom, please call in and let us know. And in the meantime, sending you so much uh, positive energy and love in, in this time of grieving, but also this time of awakening to the, the possibilities that your mom will communicate with you if you're open and aware of it and just trusting that intuitive side. So I hope that's helpful. Yeah, thank you, Madison. How that's, about you, Krista? Uh, <laughs> that's, that's beautiful, Keith, and, and so interesting that you felt the presence of your your friend today. I, I think hearing a story like that of, seeing those signs, I think they are there. They're all around us if you slow down and pay attention to them. So they I are. hope Madison gets to experience that. Yeah, they are. It's um, another good friend of mine, Lisa Scrivens. She's a, a psychic medium, and we've become really good friends. And she she has this amazing psychic ability to to connect to the um, the afterlife. And so... I've had a few experiences just watching her and um, knowing her. It's just incredible that I'm convinced just even seeing that, that more psychic ability, these mediums that are able to do it, there, there definitely is life after death. I'm convinced of it. And although mm-hmm. our, our human minds are like, well, what the heck is this all about? I, I know that um, there is a oneness. There is, there is a connection and there is something that, that's present that will show up if we're paying attention. So. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, you it's, bet. 
Interesting because I, I often, what maybe oddly brings me comfort is remembering that my feeling, my, my, my felt sense of it is that the person is in a better place, especially after a battle with cancer and, and that it really is, it's me who's feeling the pain, but it does bring me comfort thinking about them being in a peaceful, blissful, heavenly place. So that helps me. Yeah. Most definitely. I was going to also say too, um, as you're, as you're speaking that, it just triggered in me this um, reminder as well. There was a, an amazing uh, yogi master in the yoga lineage who was asked, um, Master, what's real? This was uh, Yogi Muktananda was his name. And one of his students was asking, what is real? And Muktananda's response was, that which is real never changes. You know, So just as yeah. I think about that and sit with that, what is real? I mean... As you're looking around you right now, everything around you has got a shelf life in this physical world. It, yeah. It's always changing. It's always evolving. The part that, that doesn't change to me is that, that place of, of nowhere, like that place of spiritual oneness. And, and there's a freedom in that. Um, St. Francis of Assisi, I've quoted this before on the show, but the, this idea of it's in dying that we're born to eternal life. It's this idea of you know, dying while you're still alive. Not that you have to let go of all the physical. I mean, enjoying the physical world while you're here. But underneath the surface of the, the physical is this, this etern- eternity that you're part of. It's the spiritual part of you. And, you know, for those that are listening that are new to this whole practice, this might seem a little deep to you. But to, to connect to that part that never changes, that constant spirit, it's, it's quite a profound place to live from. And it's the place where, where all inner peace really resides it's who you are underneath the, the surface of all this temporary illusion that we, we dance in in this physical world. Mm-hmm. So, I'm yeah. curious, Keith, over, over the time that you've been, you know, embarking in this world of mindfulness and, and committing deeper and deeper and doing more and more practice, do you, you know, for people who haven't necessarily had that level of practice or experience, is there a felt sense of, of a feeling of knowing that those things? Hmm. I think so. I think that when we, when we slow down and we get really present in this present moment, um, we get little glimpses, no matter whether you're a mindfulness expert or a beginner at this practice. I mean, it's inherently where we come from and who we are. And it's mm-hmm. funny, you know, we come we come into the world and right away our parents say, okay, we've got it from here. Thanks, Spirit, for bringing this beautiful little soul in. And all of a sudden, uh, we'll take over from here. And we get conditioned into this culture of, um, you know, how we're supposed to be and how we're supposed to look and all the rules of our society. And, and not to say that those are bad. I mean, rules are definitely important. But all rules are really arbitrary when you think about it. And, yeah, this idea that we're conditioned. But when we slow down and we get really present in the moment and we take a few deep breaths, there's something that just is so peacefully deep within us when we, when we allow ourselves to, to just be with what's here now. And I, you can get glimpses of it so quickly when, when that happens. So hmm. yeah, I, I believe everybody has access to this place because it's who we are. Yeah. So, Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Okay, well, let's, uh, we're going to go to John's email. We're going to lighten things up a little bit. 
This is this is a fun email. Um, I'm excited to hear this one. John okay. says, I am trying to get the guts to ask out a girl that I'm really interested in, but I'm not sure how to do it right. Any advice? <laughs> that is a good question. Oh, mm-hmm. I can feel the nerves, the nervousness <laughs> yeah. in John <laughs> just asking that question. Oh, do you remember your first uh, time asking, or did you ever have to ask somebody out, or did they always ask you out, Krista? Um, that's a great question. I think it was, I typically let the boy come to me. Um, um, I, yeah, that's, that's, that's so far back, Keith. <laughs> I just, okay. what, I, what comes to mind is so many nerves and nervousness and, um, and I wasn't bold or, uh, this, this was challenging stuff for me. So. So I'm excited to hear your, your advice here. Yeah, well, I, I've been in the same boat, too. I'm just thinking back to um, the old high school dances when I was a kid and the, the awkwardness of that where all the guys would line up on one side of the school gym and all the girls would be on the other. And they'd, they'd like the DJ would totally plan it so that the guys would have to like walk across and ask the girl of their dreams at the time to dance with them. And, oh, it was just horrifically terrifying (laughs) do I really have to do this so I can totally sympathize with this John no matter what age you are Um, but yeah how to get the guts to ask somebody out it's such a great question you know I I've thought a lot about this myself and I've come to the conclusion that uh, vulnerability and truth are going to give you the best results and I'm not saying that's easy but I'm saying that when you show up present to what's here now and truthful, um, you're going to get an answer. And even if it appears to be failure and that I guess the worst case scenario is she says no or she's not interested, um, failure always gives you a result to grow from. And, you know, I, I, if, if, there, if you believe similar to what I believe, I believe that when we put ourselves out there and we act intuitively and truthfully in the moment, um, we're always going to be guided. So if this if this woman happens to say no to you and you put yourself on the line, there's a, there's a real reason for that. Um, there's a saying in Hawaiian, Ike Ponomea, Ike Ponomea, and it means everything is happening perfectly on time. You know, you might look back on your life and go, well, it's not always perfectly on time. I mean, I just you know, think of my bank account and it doesn't seem to be perfectly on time. Or, you know, I just got in a fight with so-and-so and that's not perfectly on time. But, you know, when you look back on your life as objectively as you can and you, you just kind of, for a moment, try to remove yourself from it, I, I've noticed that those moments that felt like total dips or like dark times or scary times like perhaps the one you're in right now, John, those are the moments that we grow the most and those are the moments that we really, truly learn who we are. So in that spirit of ikaponomea, I mean, perhaps this woman that you're falling for is is showing up on time to to teach you a lesson here of what it means to get really true and honest and direct and and show up heartful and and not dodge the feelings you're feeling so i'd suggest buy a dozen roses go knock on her door and tell her you love her and ask her out on a date (laughs) that's my advice you just got to do it like the nike slogan says just do it just go for it so i hope that's good advice and um Man, let us know the results of how that goes. I'm curious to hear what happens. And wishing you so much um, good positive energy and courage. This takes fierce courage to go 
and, and admit how you're feeling. So you can do it. You can do it. <laughs> as, a, as a woman, Keith, I love that advice in that just be authentic is what I hear you saying. And if you like her, go ask her. And yeah. it's, so I, I actually thought back as, we, as you were talking, I was thinking, going back through the, my history. And, you know, I guess the thing is you don't know where it's going to go. Because the one time I remember a really great guy being really sweet and asking me out on a really great date. But I wasn't, I wasn't in a place I was looking for a boyfriend. And, and at the time, you know, it's meant to be that we never did date. But it really, it showed me how a man could treat me. In that it was the first time a boy showed his authenticity and vulnerability in a really sweet, kind way. So it had a profound effect on me, even though I didn't say yes. Hmm. So you don't know. That is such, I, I love to hear that perspective, Krista, because I mean, on my end as a guy, it's, it's terrifying. But, you know, to know that by putting myself out there vulnerably and truthfully, it's going to have an effect no matter what. I mean, you can't, we can't deny the truth. Um, it's worth it. I mean, who are we not to show up completely vulnerably and present, you know, otherwise we cower to our fear and fear is really just false evidence appearing real, right? I mean, most of what we, most of what we worry about is false evidence appearing real in our, what I call our monkey mind, that part of us that's telling us stories like, oh, what if she says no, or what if I get turned down, or what if this isn't the right person? You know, so many of us spend so much time in fear mode, and then only to find out that the end result is not even what we were worrying about. So much energy gets wasted there. So it's so nice to hear that perspective that there's always going to be an outcome that's going to grow us forward, you know, in ways we might not even know. I wonder if that guy even knows what an effect that had on you at the time. You know, it's interesting. I've often thought about telling him that, but I, it, it, yeah, I didn't know that that would be the right thing to do now. But I do feel like I, I wish he did know that. He was almost too good of a guy for, for where I was at in my life at that point. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, so I hope on some level he knows. Yeah, well, unconsciously he must know at some level. And who knows, maybe now he'll, turn, he'll tune into the radio show and be completely <laughs> delight, delightfully surprised that it, all of that effort made sense. <laughs> Moved you both <laughs> who forward. Knew? <laughs> who knew? I'm going to give people the radio, the, the call-in number again. It's 914-338-0905 if you have any questions for Keith. We'd love to hear from you. And also, uh, we, should, yeah. we should say, too, there's also a, a free copy of my new book involved, too, that we're giving away to anybody that has the fierce courage to call in and um, ask for questions or coaching. It's, uh, it takes brave courage just to call into a, an online show like this. So, yeah. True enough. I feel like it's reward enough to get to talk to you, but, but that book's pretty juicy, so that's pretty <laughs> generous. You know, speaking um, of the book, I, I just yeah. want to say... Um, I just got back, and I think you saw it this week too, but I just got back the, the cover artwork from my publisher for the, the book this week, which was really exciting. And um, I'm really excited for people to, to see this cover. It's so interesting putting together this project. I mean, 
from start to finish, you know, four years ago when I was starting the the writing of this book, I had no idea that the end cover would end up looking like this. But it's just this really exciting, beautiful picture of um, of light in the background, and then these hands making the shape of a heart. And it um, it really sums up to me what what this book is all about. So anyway, I just wanted to mention that too. It's pretty exciting well, that it's. I'm glad you did, Keith, because I'm very curious about that process. When I see a book in the store, I've actually often wondered this. Do you do you get to request what you would like the book cover to look like, or do they generate some options for you? How does that work? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm working with this really great publishing company called Morgan James Publishing, and they've been absolutely amazing in the process. Um, I've heard other scenarios or I should say maybe even horror stories from some other friend authors who didn't have this kind of an experience but um, I feel really grateful this this publisher has been so awesome in, in terms of the process from not really interfering so much with like even the, the writing of the manuscript I mean they they allowed me to freely write what was coming through and so in regards to the actual cover design work um, we had a, a meeting about it, and I kind of expressed some of the ideas of the book and how I was wanting the feelings to be conveyed when people pick up this book. And from that, they took all these notes and sent it to their design team. And a week later, they came back with um, a few different concepts. And right away, um, the first concept that I saw with the, the hands in the shape of a heart and this beautiful light in the background, it just felt totally resonant. I was like, this summarizes and captures what this book is about so the process was really so far been really smooth and um, Mm -hmm. collaborative really collaborative would be how it's been that's good to hear (laughs) I I always always have a little story that the authors get some say in that so that's that's great to hear yeah I should say about um, for those of you that aren't aware I'm also releasing a, a musical album a little bit later this year as well and this was a completely different process in a sense from making the book cover, but we just, I just finished um, the album artwork as well with this incredible artist named Roberta Landreth. Um, she's from my hometown of Winnipeg, but this woman is an unbelievable artist. I got on a call with her early on in the process of making this album artwork, and I'm just fascinated with how these, these visual artists can take the words that I'm saying and somehow convey it into this emotional, like beautiful piece of artwork that uh, you mm. see it and it resonates. And so she also, I got to give her credit for the musical side of what I've been working on because she is an absolutely amazing artist. And for those of you that want to check her out, it's Roberta Landreth. And just to see some of her work online, I, I think she's got a website you can Google. Um, she's incredible too. So, what type of media is it, Keith? The the album artwork is a lot of it was hand drawn. I, I wanted this wow. album to be really a um, as vulnerable and truthful as I could possibly imagine it to be. Um, it's a I was saying last week on the show. This is a real departure from anything musical that I've ever done. This this album uh, from start to finish was really uh, a process of like every instrument and every nuance and every word and melody it was just i mean you'd think that that's always the case but a lot of times albums get made and they're they're kind of 
I, they say cut and pasted nowadays where it's, you know, you don't even meet all the musicians because they're flying tracks across the world for people to play on it. But this album, it was all like local players and um, my, one of my best friends, Mark, produced the record and it just has a real personal feel to it. So it's, um, so I wanted the album artwork to, to convey this as well. So Roberta hand drew most of the the paintings in there and it, Oh, I, I, it's hard to describe the cover till you see it, but it's it, it's going to be coming out right away online on my website. But it's basically the album's called Shine, and the the album artwork is really um, trying, in, in my mind, to capture the oneness and the harmony and the unison and the connection when things come together and there's that like spark where it's just like it, it literally is light that bursts out. So. That's uh, that's a little glimpse into it anyway. I can't wait to see it. I love all that creative aspect. And it's fun to hear how things work behind the scenes. You, you know, you don't normally get to know those things. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's it's quite a creative and vulnerable at the same time process. Yeah. Awesome. Um, all right. Let's. Uh, do you want to move on to another email? Yeah, let's take another one. You bet. Okay, yeah. Uh, we have quite a few, so uh, let's see. Michelle has written in saying, I'm feeling overwhelmed with trying to keep my life balanced. I feel like I've taken on too much and I don't know how to slow down. How can I find a better balance in my life? Hmm. Sounds like, Michelle, you're, um, you're going pretty fast in your life right now and have a lot of different moving parts just from picking up the sense of your email there. Um, Man, it's interesting. There's, there's some. <laughs> I wish more people would call in as opposed to email, so we could get a little bit more of the details. But just in hearing that, um, bringing some balance into your life, it's, um, yeah. There's, from what I, I can tell you here, that's popping up intuitively. There's a real range to who we are, and we tend to. A lot of us live in the, the more dominant, busy masculine energy part of who we are um, I often convey in my talks if you can think about this there's this direct relationship between your mind and your body I mean we hear reference to this all the time mind-body connection but really this is like two partners in a relationship you've got your thinking mind and you've got your physical body and in all of us no matter whether you're a man or woman we have male energy and we have female energy um, the male energy tends to be that energy of, uh, let's get this done, let's get the show on the road, hurry up, to-do lists, the, um, the real driving kind of energy. You know, I think of my dad on road trips when I was a kid, and he, he was the, the kind of guy that was like, okay, we don't have time to stop at a rest stop, let's just get to, to Vancouver, and he would push on the pedal and just really, let's get there, let's get this done. And that tends to be how most of our, our conscious minds work. It's, it's all about... Let's let's create in this physical world and get it done. It, it really is like um, the part of us that that is that dominant male side. The the body mind, on the other hand, is more of the feminine energy, the intuitive, the the part of us that holds all of our emotions and feelings. It's um it's that energy, and Krista can probably attest to this. The the part of you that is uh, mums always know type energy. You know that. <laughs> feminine intuitive part of us when you get those little inner inner whisper moments of this is what we need to do it's the it's really the part of you that holds all wisdom 
and and so this is the physical part of who we are and a lot of times when you think about it our our mind tends to be the dominant force in this relationship it tends to be the one that overtalks and says we got to get this all done hurry up it's the part of us that is attached to the information you know all the facts and figures where our, our body mind tends to be the more inspiration that inner spirit that wisdom that that just i just know this is right in my whole soul and gut so to think about that relationship i would i would be thinking that in this question around balance the the mind most likely tends to be the overtalker you know and you probably know relationships where one person's always talking and the other person has so much wisdom to share but they can never get a word in. So to find balance, in your, a little bit more balance in your life, this is where I find a mindfulness practice can be really helpful, is to start training your, your thinking and over-speaking mind to become more of a listener. You know, to slow down and to just invite your mind to literally become more of a listener to your physical body. So this is where practices like learning how to listen to your breathing it allows the mind a focus point, and you just start listening to your breathing. Um, I always give this this exercise in my talks of take one of your hands, place it on your heart center, close your eyes, just take a few deep breaths, and see if you can just narrow down the focus of your thinking mind to your hand on your heart. And literally just bring all of your attention to your hand on your heart. And imagine that your heart has wisdom to share with you. But so often it doesn't get a chance to be heard because we're so busy thinking in our, our busy brains that it doesn't listen. But if the mind was to ask the heart the following question, even just right now, just imagine your mind asking your heart, what do you truly want from me right now? And then to just listen. You know, even just try it. Hand on the heart. Mind asks the heart, what do you truly want from me right now? And mine pops up just instantly and says peace, like this really simple word peace. And if you if you do this regularly, you get more and more tuned to the, the difference in language when the, the heart speaks. It's just a little silent inner knowing. And then the mind, when it hears something like mine just popped up peace, then the mind goes, well, what does that exactly mean? So you take it back to the heart again, like two partners in a conversation, and you say, well, what do you want me to know about peace? Right? And my heart's saying, get a little bit more sleep would bring you more peace. That's what I'm hearing right now. So then the question becomes, will, will my mind, the, the dominant part of that relationship, will it honor the request of the heart to find balance? And will I go to sleep an, an hour earlier tonight? even though it might be totally against the will of what my mind wants, to really start listening to its partner, the body. This brings us into balance. And as we're moving through our day, to just start tuning in and listening to, to our intuition, that inner teacher part of us. Not that it has to be the dominant. It never will be. There's a good chance our, our mind is going to dominate, unless you're very intuitive-based, which can be the case. And then maybe your mind needs to talk a little more and get you focused. But it's this dance between the male and feminine energy within us. And so I would say um, in terms of bringing more balance into your life, it would be perhaps if you're going a million miles an hour and trying to get a million things done all at once, it would be to slow down a little bit. And again, I'd say it's all this practice of slowing down, which is something that is going to get emphasized a lot on this show. But just slowing down, taking a few breaths, 
and checking in and asking yourself, what do I truly need right now? And making that a habit in your life and just honoring that habit of, of honoring what you really need. Um, so hopefully that will bring you a little bit more balance. What do you think, Krista? Mm-hmm. Um, the word that, uh, that helps me shift is surrender. And mm-hmm. what that does is what's surprising to me, continually surprising to me, is I often don't need to change a lot of what I'm doing. I need to change how I'm doing it. And so when I go and I shift into that surrendered place, which is connecting to my heart, like you're talking about, Keith, it's often just a way of being in the busyness that shifts it all for me. Mm. And and what is the feeling of being when, when you're in the middle of all the busyness that shifts in you? For me, I can get, um, my husband often laughs at me because I can get just so wound up and wrapped up into chaos and busyness. And so it's like, like my nervous system just gets wired and I get really overwhelmed quite quickly, quite honestly. So mm. what shifts is the overwhelm. And it's funny how nothing actually has to change, but there's just an internal beingness that shifts where there's just a calm that comes down no matter what's going on around me. Um, I go into a place where it's not bothering me again after that. Hmm. Or maybe I'm I, conscious of, of, a, of a change that I need to make, but yeah, it's interesting. I love that. I love that word surrender too, that, that practice of just surrendering and loosening the grip on life, so to speak, and mm-hmm. just allowing that peace to come over you no matter where you are and how crazy it can be in the outside. The inside could be like a calm, still lake. Yeah. And, and, you know, something that can be hard for people to get their heads around. I know my husband and I talk about this a lot because we are wired very differently and he's very go, go, go. Um, There's a lot of fear around in surrendering, it'll be unproductive and, Uh, and that things won't get done. But in my experience, I'm doing more right action or actually getting into the flow of things and being far more productive than I am when I'm wrapped up in anxiety. Right. Oh, you're bringing up such a good point because when we do get in those places of I'm not going to be productive, I'm not going to get anything done, like that so much is our conscious mind conditioning and it's over-talking and I can almost sense the stream of like that underlying fear again of the the Mm -hmm. false evidence appearing real, you know? But like you're saying, in this moment, when I surrender and I just allow, it's you. there's a quote in the Tao, it says, you accomplish more by trying less, by not forcing your way through life, by really allowing it to come to you as opposed to forcing to it, you know? So That's, uh, that's great. Do you think, is your experience in that, Keith, that it just keeps getting easier and easier? I think it does. I think it's constant practice. I mean, um, and we're up against a busy world that right now, let's face it, we are bombarded with noise and distraction and opinions and ways that we need to be and all this digital technology that makes us feel like we're going to accomplish so much more and it's got to go faster. And 
But I think that um, somebody that truly makes the commitment to themselves and says, hey, I want balance in my life, like our, our last email question there, um, a, 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 an intentional focus of that mixed with consistency, you know, the, the re- repetition of it and putting reminders up, you know, a little reminder in your car that says, you know, just breathe or a uh, picture on your mirror that just reminds you to slow down a little bit. These little mm-hmm. moments like that can really help us um, reconnect and it, it does eventually become easier. I, I really do think it does when we, when we commit to it. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. It's like anything. It's a commitment, though. And uh, I agree. It does seem easier. Yeah, and the results are great. The results, yeah. when, we, when you're able to find that still point of surrender like you're speaking about, it's, um, it's so good because in the moments when you're stressed out, it's not that you're not going to feel stressed out or you're not going to feel that overwhelm, but you remember to take a breath. And you remember, okay, it's gonna be, everything's going to be all right, just like the Bob Marley song, you know? Oh, great song. If it's I were technologically savvy, I'd, I'd, I'd fade that in right now. Because <laughs> that would you know? be awesome. I think we can all hear it. Our next, our next show should open with a little Bob Marley reggae. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be great. Absolutely. You can mix something up, I'm sure, Keith. Yeah. Um, I have another email here from Tom. This is a This is a little fun question. I've been dreaming about writing a book for quite some time. I just don't know how to start the process. Do you have any advice for how to get started? Oh, great question. I can totally relate, Tom. I'm uh, in the middle of working on a, a second book right now, and it's it can be really challenging to get started on this process. So that's a fun and awesome question. Um, wow. And we were just talking about the creative process earlier in this show, too. So very cool how everything aligns and is connected. Um, yeah, the creative process. Well, I can tell you a lot of times to get started, a really good exercise is, first of all, to identify perhaps what you want to write about, um, assuming that you know what it is that you want to write about. Um, once you find that topic, one, one practice that I found really useful is to start from the end and just get a visual of what are the chapters going to be, you know? Uh, how, is this, how am I going to convey this in uh, a sequential order of chapters? And so a lot of times it can be helpful to even just wor- write down working chapter titles and, you know, the concepts that you want to write. And this is, this is based on the type of book that I would write. I mean, if you're writing a fictional book, I'm not an expert in that, and I'll give you some, I guess, broad advice on that. But in terms of writing a nonfiction book, to, to, to really write the, the chapter titles first or the concepts first and then take a look at them all objectively and see if you can find the right uh, sequential order for how they're going to uh, unfold from start to finish. And keep in mind that there should be a bit of a, an arc to it, you know, a beginning, a middle, and an ending. And once you get that, um, then I would say consistency, you know, writing every day and finding the chapters that are resonating with you um, and, and writing, just literally writing and connecting. In, in terms of the process of writing, making sense and mindfulness for me, it was um, a three to four year process. It was quite a long one because I hand wrote the book. And so every every day, almost every single day, 
I would get up, I would do a short meditation just to clear my mind of all the noise, and then I would put my pen to paper and just uh, allow myself to work with that oneness of spirit that I mentioned earlier in the show. And just literally, I could feel my hand moving, and it was this effortless flow. And although I had a chapter title and I knew kind of what I was going to be writing about, um, the words just came. I I treated it almost as if I was speaking out loud and just writing down the thoughts as they came in. Um, So that that would be a great way to start. And I can give you up front just a, a heads up that a lot of times when you start writing a book, there's some serious resistance. I mean, when I first started writing Making Sense of Mindfulness, the first week of that, I had so much resistance in me, um, that saboteur. I talked about it last week on the show, but that part of your mind, the inner critic that tells you this isn't good enough. Like, who's going to read this piece of crap? Like, this is not good writing. What is this all about? And um, so that there will be resistance like that. And I just want to encourage you to just stay with it. Come back every day. Get your pen to paper. Even if it doesn't feel like the end result, it doesn't have to. Just writing and that process of, like Kristen said earlier, surrendering. It's a meditation in itself. And it's, ironically, another way to bring mindfulness into your life is to just allow yourself to, to write, almost as if you were speaking. So the, um, that's my answer for nonfiction. Just briefly for fiction, I would say um, my advice just for writing in general is, is this, this process of free writing. You know, um, when I get up in the morning, before I even start working on the project that I'm writing, I just take a page out of my scribbler and I just free write whatever's on my mind that morning. It, can, it might not even make sense some mornings. Just the process of, of beginner's mind, of, of sitting down and writing, can unlock so much in us. And it's, um, it's powerful. So <laughs> I could go on and on. Obviously, you've hit a, a topic that I'm really passionate about here, Tom, but... Um, hopefully that gives you a few uh, encouraging words to to get started. And I'd say set your alarm tomorrow morning for 8 a.m. if you can, or 7 a.m. whenever you get up, and commit to even half an hour of just let your pen flow. Don't think too much about it. Just get writing. Well, Keith, how how is your new book coming? I'm really fortunate because I was present Keith's download of uh, it was really exciting to see him get inspired and get really clear on the next book. So, um, yeah, where's that at now, Keith? Yeah, well, just briefly, yes, it's funny. I, um, I'm working on this new piece. It's going to probably not be out for a few years because I haven't even released the first book yet. But it's coming along. I, um, I've been trying to commit to it, and it's so interesting when I start writing. My whole life tends to reflect what I'm writing about. So, I was uh, literally writing about somebody in my life in this book recently, and I hadn't seen them in years. And all of a sudden, they added me on Facebook and were now reconnected. And it was like, what the heck's that all about? And so I, I'm always intrigued working on a new project how things just start aligning and shifting and rearranging themselves to um, confirm that this is right. But but this new book, just in in, in brief, is really a book all about, um, I call it agreements is the working title. And it's just, it's all about the unspoken agreements that get made between us. And um, a lot of times these these agreements play out in our lives and and they're not the way we want life to be. So it's a a book all about speaking our truth vulnerably and um, maybe even renegotiating the, the agreements we have with each other. So 
that's uh, an area that I'm also very passionate about and is really connected to mindfulness too. So thanks for asking that, Krista. That's awesome. Yeah, well, I hope we get to talk more about that in the show. And it, I do find it interesting. Pieces of that have been showing up in these, you know, the questions and and your speaking. And um, it is an amazing universe how it's just all connected. Yeah, it really is. It's oneness. Like we yeah, think of yeah. It. Yeah, it's nowhere. <laughs> it's nowhere to now here, back to nowhere. So yeah. The, uh, what is real is the nowhere, the spirit <laughs> in all of us. Beautiful. Well, I uh, look forward to next week, Keith. I can't wear, wait to hear more. And make sure you bring your calls next week. We'll be here for you. And Keith would love to answer your questions and, and coach you and, and work with you live. Uh, the number, I'll give it to you now, is 914-338-0905. Have a great week, everyone. Have a great week. Thank you.